1: bible about the last days when the dead would rise from the grave
0: i remember revelation 7:12, and i looked as he opened the sixth seal and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became as black as sackcloth
1: and the moon became as blood and the seas boiled and the skies fell judgment day judgment Welcome to today the forum. My name is Russell Matthews. We want to welcome you to today's forum. The forum goes to the flicks. Today we're going to be looking at Hollywood's take on God's script. Um, all of the different films that you see up there on the screen, um, we won't be watching films all day today. we actually probably be entertained probably more by our panelists that are here. But uh, we want to welcome you to this discussion, our, our forum discussion on the, the topic of the Bible and Hollywood. Kind of the interesting intersection of the two. And we have uh, leading leading industry uh, thought leaders in the, the, the whole uh, media component. it's <laughs> exactly... Um, Immediately to my left, we have Giles Hardy today. He's uh, one of the leading film critics and entertaining journalists in uh, Australia. Um, Actually, currently written for the Sydney Morning Herald, but now writing in various capacities, like for the ABC and such, around. And if you'd like to get some of of the latest updates and things from Giles, you just go to his um, website at getflicked.com.au. Laura. Laura was here yesterday. Laura Bennett, now a seasoned professional on our panels here. Uh, (laughs) Laura Bennett is uh, from 103.2. She's the host of The Switch and also nights on Sydney's Hope 103.2. And she does reviews for breakfast and also the Fresh programs on the radio. And also you can get more content from her on her blog post on the Connect Press. Is that right? Connect And then Adrian, Adrian Drayton. Adrian's been a part of some of our panels over the past few years, and we're glad to have Adrian back, being a 17-year veteran in kind of the entertainment journalism area and also media commentary. Currently, um, communications manager and marketing manager for the Uniting Church in Australia, but also he is the founder of realdialogue.com, kind of looking at where faith and film interject. So we want to welcome our panel here today and getting ready for uh, looking at this interesting topic Um, One that we found, especially here at City Bible Forum, over the last year, we looked over some of our key blogs that we have on our our website. And of those, in the top ten, many of them had to do with where the interest was, had to do with film, especially film in relationship to the Bible. In particular, this year, it had to do with the Noah film. And so with that, we kind of look at cinematic history and going back from, you know, from the Ten Commandments, as you saw on the screen, to Noah. You can go to Cecil B. DeMille, all the way up to Quentin Tarantino. The Bible and Hollywood have kind of a love-hate relationship that's gone on throughout history. But what's fascinating about it is it's had some reasonable success. You can look at the Passion of the Christ that did well over $610 million worldwide. Noah was number one in almost every market around the world this past year. It did well over $350 million worldwide worldwide. And even recently, we had the Son of God that came out, which we were able to have a screening just a few weeks ago, which still did sixty-seven million dollars, but still significant, based on a really based on the television show, The Bible. So at that um, at that Son of God event, we had um, we actually had Dave Brown, the uh, editor for Empire Magazine, was there, and he was kind of asked the question, very similar question about the Bible and Hollywood, and he he said, you know, it's interesting. What's interesting about it is the story of the Bible is fascinating, and why aren't more films made in regards to the Bible has really kind of perplexed him in that. So really it's going to kind of come to you guys, if you don't mind, and just ask them. the first question would be, Noah, Son of God, they're great stories, you know, good content, interesting content, why aren't there more films made by those, and also what do you think of the films maybe if you've seen them? So, Giles, do you mind have start with you? Sure. Look, um, I think
0: we're going to see more is probably the, you know, I'll start with the prediction because that's never gone badly for people. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but I think we're going to see more. At uh, the moment, you, look, I I, I will partly uh, personify uh, the Hollywood execs, so this will sound a little bit mercenary, but you've got to remember, the creative side of Hollywood always complains that the people who make the decisions in Hollywood are MBA graduates, they're not people who've come through the filmmaking process, they're people who come out of business schools, the big Ivy League business schools, and they come in and they judge a film based on a spreadsheet. Oh. So they sit there and they go, I've got a star, I've got a well-known name, that's gonna, what we're going to come back to. I can put this together with a marketing budget of that, I can put it in 500 cinemas, we're going to make money. Because apparently it's a formula, which has never gone wrong for them. So <laughs> what they're doing at the moment is, you look at the way Hollywood's acted for the last 10, 20 years, they're desperate for brand names, because mm. there's now only small films and blockbusters. And so Marvel is obviously a great example of that. They're using all of these brand names, they want to keep bringing them out. They've gone, to, they've gone to the big books, they've gone to the big TV series, they've gone to Battleship, they've mm. gone to Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a ride at Disneyland. Right. Anything with a big name brand, they want to make a movie. And it does feel a little bit like sometime around 10 years ago, they were casting about and probably someone, someone was staying in a hotel and they opened the drawer and they went, gosh, those people at Gideon's may have a point. <laughs> um, and they've suddenly gone, I think people have heard of this book. And it turns out these stories are pretty well road-tested. I mean, they, people have been workshopping these stories and kind of tweaking them right. for, for centuries, there you for go. millennia. So they're great stories. I think possibly to come back to why we haven't been doing them, and I think we'll probably end up meandering down that path a lot, so I won't try and answer it too much. But I think there's been... I think it's partly to do with the politicisation of the church in America mm. um, because you've got to remember Hollywood is primarily still focused on an American audience. They talk about the worldwide audience second after America... And at the moment, there reached a point for a couple of decades there where the church and the politicization of it meant that there was much more of an us-and-them mentality than there was 50, 60 years ago when you had the studio films making the big epics we all think of. Okay. So... Perhaps there was an element of they wanted to make inclusive films, and suddenly they've gone. Maybe people will come and see those. There you go.
1: And we'll get back to Marvel superhero Place. Jesus. Yeah, we're going to see how that works out down the path. Laura, what do you what do you think as far as why why are there not probably more films, or maybe should maybe there shouldn't be as many films to be made on the Bible? Well,
2: I think it's probably because, as you mentioned, like people recognize that the Bible's got great content. You know, if you if you look at the Bible as um, what it says it is, that it's the story of humanity. And that it's, you know, God's ultimate plan for mankind, etc. There's obviously going to be a lot in that that resonates with people because it's touching on the things that are meant to be our design and meant to be a way of life that we all understand, the story of our existence, our future, etc. But Hollywood's not always wanting to tell that story. They're not Mm. always wanting to link it to being this ultimate truth. They're just identifying certain aspects of, you know, revenge, justice, salvation, etc., cetera, that you can pull from the Bible. So I think that's where the struggle lies, is that they, rec- they can see that there's really good elements in there that make for a good story, and perhaps because we see pictures of humanity in those stories, but they don't always want to tie it to a gospel message necessarily. So they come up against an audience who view it as a very spiritual text, as a very truthful text, and so then there's this tension because there's a there's an audience who want it to be, um, I guess, preserved and, and looked after. Right. And then there's a Hollywood audience, all those executives, who just want it to be a money-making thing that's going to you know grab an audience. And right. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for them to rectify that tension, but I think it'll be interesting to see them continue to try for sure.
1: There you go. Great. What do you think, Adrian? I,
3: absolutely. I think, Giles... They both make excellent points. The other things we've got to remember about the Bible is there's two very good points about it. It's not copyrighted material. Mm. <laughs> and also, pretty much filmmakers since the beginning of filmmaking have used the stories in various forms. The first long-form um, silent film was a biblical epic by Cecil B. DeMille. So, and then he remade it in 1956. So throughout history, we've kind of got that as a template and so, right. Hollywood, whether they love or hate the Bible, they have for one of a better reason used parts of it for various stories. And um, like we were saying, ten years ago they had the lightning in the bottle with the Passion of the Christ, and they've been trying to kind of replicate that success ever since. I think so. Yeah.
1: We'll kind of go into that because one of the questions from yesterday was: Isn't aren't films just entertainment? I mean, like, why are we even? Why do we even? Get, why do we even care what's going up on the screen when really all it is is just entertainment? Isn't it just entertainment?
3: Well, that's a really good question. (laughs) it's the wrong question to ask me because I want people to engage with films all the time. I think that just for that precise reason, Laura was talking about the, you know, stories of humanity, film is worth engaging with um, and that's why it's so popular because it's kind of our method of storytelling and... You know, you can name it any given week how many hundreds of people go and see a film. You
0: so, well, say I think that word is key, storytelling. It's, it's, it, film isn't entertainment purely. I think that's, that's a really minimal statement. Certainly mm. there is film that is there for entertainment, but film sure. is there as a form of storytelling. Mm. I think if you talk about entertainment, it's going to be hard to bring a lot of documentaries. Right. Just to <laughs> make you an obvious example, documentaries are largely not necessarily entertaining. They're informative. They can be entertaining, but they can also be incredibly harrowing, right. which is you know, depending on your type of entertainment. Sure. But I think it is, it's storytelling. I mean, and that's ultimately what the film will come back to, regardless of whether you... I mean, if you look at the way that film's been dealing with religion in the last 10 years, a lot of it has been doing to deal with the fact that I think probably for since the late 80s, in terms of entertainment, in terms of popular culture, the church slightly went out of fashion because of what was happening in the Catholic Church. Mm, okay. Because you, that, that meant that no one wanted to touch it for about 10 years in Hollywood. They're very sensitive to, we don't necessarily want to venture into a territory that could offend. Mm. Um, I mean, you can look at you know, any scandal you know, that happens there is usually because they've offended a group. They're very sensitive to that. The last 10 years... The, the scandal in the Catholic Church has become fodder for films. Everything from Doubt to Maxima Mia Culpa, like there's been a lot of films dealing with that territory. Right. And so I think that's a form of storytelling. And certainly if you watch some of those documentaries, that's not entertainment. Mm. That is there because it's a story that needs to be told. Okay. And I think that that is where, regardless of where your belief you know, may lie, the Bible certainly is a story that either needs to be told or should be told because it's a great story. Sure.
1: Well, okay, Laura, we, we kind of discussed this a little bit yesterday too. Because talking about storytelling, I mean, Jesus used parables. I mm-hmm. mean, parables was his main, you know, one of his main ways, especially speaking to those that were around him at the time, kind of communicating his message. So, really, why film parables? I mean, would it be the modern day equivalent of the parable from Jesus, whatever?
2: I think it probably depends on your approach to the film. Obviously, yes, Christ used parables, but he was using parables to convey a truth or a message that he really believed the people listening needed to hear. So for a filmmaker with a movie, I I think if you wanted to link it to a parable, it would have to come back to the filmmakers wanting to have a message to, to show, to tell, and for people to actually identify with. And that's probably one of the, the struggles that people find, I think, with making a movie that ties to the Bible, because, um, and this was this was one of the things we spoke about yesterday, was that idea that they need to decide why they're actually making the movie in the first place. Because for a film like Noah, that's coming from a big budget, you know, Hollywood production company, they, they're probably, their main objective would be to entertain, to make money, engage an audience. But then a film like Son of God that's telling the Christ story, its main objective is either to evangelise or to educate theologically and I think depending where they sit on that kind of Spectrum and how they apply that is going to depend on whether it's taken as a parable message and as a sort of Bible story, or whether it's going to be viewed as a a separate film for entertainment value. Um, But yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting to again see how people try and wrestle with that because that's what makes these films successful or not. I think is how clearly they can identify which one they are.
1: Did you want to add something? And clearly,
3: the best way to tell a story these days, if you've got a cool sixty to one hundred and fifty million dollars, is to make a film like. Yeah, I mean, the it's Noah, also a good way to
0: lose a call. sixty. Yeah,
3: to <laughs> oh. <is>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and exactly. with Noah a perfect example because we all know that story so well. Even if you've never been to Sunday school, you know the story of Noah with the you know fluffy animals and the ark and all that sort of thing. But he, Darren Aronofsky, chose to tell the story in a totally different way. Although he did a lot of research, he made a, he contemporized it for an audience. So. You know, it had environmental themes. Noah's family were vegetarians. It had rock (laughs) monsters. It was kind of a Lord of the Rings-esque sort of take on... And it's my favorite word at the moment, pre-diluvian. It's a pre-diluvian universe. There you go. Now so vocabulary wow. is expanding. Pre- <laughs> write that yeah. one down, everyone. Pre-plugged. Yeah, that's the that's word of the day. Yeah, so yeah. Um, he just decided to create a universe like they did with Lord of the Rings and transpose it into the Bible. And filmmakers have done that forever. Mm. They've reinterpreted those stories. It's so. kind of
2: risky, though, because you've got an audience who... Like, with Noah, one of the big um, objections to it was the fact that it did go down that more environmental message. That's the path it sort of chose. And because with a story like that, you've got an audience who have a very personal history to that original story, what it meant, how they interpreted it, what was God saying through Noah and the flood, if you believe it to be literal. So to see it represented with an environmental message or whatever other message they would choose, you're going to kind of find people who are always going to disagree with that because they right. may not sit on that same plane.
3: But I think precisely the reason why Christians were bickering about that was why people went and saw it. They went, yay, Christians mm. are fighting about a film. It must be <laughs> worth
0: seeing. So there you go. Well, and I think that's where it's interesting compared to Son of God because the release pattern for Noah was partly to go, we're going to have a bit of scandal, we're going to leak the fact that God is never mentioned in this film. The creator is mentioned, God isn't mentioned. We're going to set up some scandal, and what, I mean, from a, say, from a Gideon's perspective, that was getting a biblical story in front of people who aren't necessarily going to otherwise be consuming that story. And therefore, it's, you know, if you're purely going from a marketing or, you know, perspective of trying to get the story out there, it works in that regard. Mm. Where This is where I thought, son of God, I thought their distribution strategy was very odd because they made no effort to put that in front of anyone who wasn't already in the fold for the, the purpose of this conversation. As a critic, I wasn't even invited to see it. Wow. But do
2: you they think just, that's a, a budget thing and a, and a budget risk? Like, do they the not series gonna... it came
0: off was put on the History Channel in the US as one of the highest rating TV shows of that year. It, also it, it was did on pretty Channel, well, 9 Channel 9, 9 it did. and it did good numbers here at least put it in front of critics, put it at some of the art house cinemas, and, but when you don't put it in front of your mainstream critics you're saying this is not a mainstream film. It's, it's obviously a passion film. point for Giles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like not <laughs> being invited. Exactly. exactly. He's exactly. He's well,
1: it, well uh, one thing I did forget yeah. to mention is that there is a number on the screen. If you do have questions, there are already questions coming across, so we'll be getting to those here in just a moment. But if you do have questions based on some of the, the topics that the, the guys are bringing up, we'll definitely make sure we're, uh, we're getting those up there if we possibly can. Because so, uh, um, that's actually one of the points, because I'm going to go to some of these questions. We're going to read them first, but I'm going to let you answer one other question before we go. There was, okay, everybody kind of gets worked up about maybe like Noah, maybe about ben, ben, Ben-Hur, maybe not Ben-Hur, uh, son of God. I worked up about Ben-Hur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Ben-Hur, you look at a movie like Ben-Hur, it had a, it had a Bible story in it. But yet it wasn't actually a Bible story. Why don't they do more of, the, why don't they do more of those? I don't know if you're not know, screenwriters, but maybe
0: why they, don't they do more? I, I'd argue they do. Look, oh, at, really? look at every film we saw in that thing. Look at Man of Steel. Look at the Narnia films. Like, oh. You were talking about parables before. Right. One of the powers of parables is for people not to know the metaphoric reason before they go in. And right. I think that you'll actually get a lot more effect with the parable if you tell the story and at the end go, have you thought about that from the perspective of this? Oh, my goodness. Right. Mm. And so Man of Steel, look, it hit everyone over the head with the, the, the Christ analogy. That was not a, you know, by the time he's floating out of a spaceship <laughs> like this, we had
1: a sense of what they were trying to say. Mm.
0: But I think they are doing that. I don't think, it's, I don't think those stories are being hidden. Okay. Well, I think they're being hidden in plain sight, arguably.
1: So do you think, do you, do you guys agree to totally that do you agree. see that they are? Yeah. It's, mm. it's, it's, so it's more, it's not as overt... So you see more of a, the message still there. You still see the kind of the Bible themes. Maybe yeah, that's what you're kind of and that's, into.
3: And that's the shame of the Narnia series, actually, because unfortunately, because Christians bickered so much about the third film, they kind of are going back to the drawing board and saying, "Do we actually make another one?" Mm-hmm. Because mm. it, w- it wasn't very well supported. And they great films from a point of view of storytelling and their allegorical. Um, the, the first one purely did gangbusters for Walden Media and it was fantastic, and then the second and third ones kind of died a bit. So Mm. those are fantastic stories to get out there to an audience um, Mm. that do contain that sort of allegorical message. What
2: do you think, Laura? Yeah, I would bring it back to what I mentioned earlier about people recognising that the Bible has the elements that people engage with, but they don't necessarily want to tell that story. Like, having that sort of Messiah character, having the sort of elements of, you know, someone coming to bring salvation and all this kind of stuff, people resonate with that because it's a question they ask. They, you know, everybody wants to know, is there a God? Is there something beyond this realm that we're living in? And so... So obviously storytellers want to tie that in because there's going to be a success, it's going to resonate. So even films like um, Oz the Great and Powerful, to me, I watched that. As a Christian watching that, I'm like, this is completely like there's a Bible parallel right here. Like, obviously there were little gaps and differences and stuff, but right. they told you mean that them story. <laughs> in yeah, he blow out like this. No, um, but they just like they told the story. A guy coming that people were waiting for. He healed people in Oz and all those different things. That it's like, come on, really, you're not trying to link this to a Bible text? But they never say that because that's not necessarily the message the filmmakers are wanting to tell. But they just like the elements of story that it engages an audience with.
1: Well, one of the, one of the questions. From the audience, I think it kind of goes to the whole idea of storytelling in a way. Are are movies really meant to influence people? Do you think that movies really change somebody's, say, worldview? I mean, a story usually has a kind of a purpose, but do you think that movies really do that? I certainly think some do. I mean, I, I look a great one on topic
0: is Calvary, which came out today. I mean, that's you often find it's not even necessarily with an intent to change minds, but certainly to provoke conversation. Mm. Calvary um, came about, uh, for those who haven't heard anything about it, John Michael MacDonald made a film called The Guard with Brendan Gleeson in Ireland. Um, Calvary is the tale of a good priest um, because what happened was they were in a pub lock-in uh, and uh, as they were finishing up The Guard, Brendan Gleeson said, what are you doing next? And at the time, all of these films that I mentioned before about the scandal in the Catholic Church were coming out. And John Michael McDonagh said, someone should do a film about a good priest who is then beset by bad people, just to try and go against the trend as much as anything, but also to ask the questions from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And so it's an amazing film, incredibly entertaining and incredibly thought-provoking, because Brendan Gleeson in the first scene, as a Catholic priest in confession, is told by an anonymous person, I'm going to kill you next Sunday. (laughs) and you then see how and the reason I'm going to kill you is because killing a bad priest will have no effect in the world no one is going to talk about it anymore if I kill a good priest then it will become a scandal and it will bring up the issues because he was, it turns out to be an abused child so then we go through this and it's black humour it is very funny at times but it's someone, it is this good priest going through a community that is entirely sour about the church now because of all the scandals. Mm. And so he is beset by everyone. And you, you start looking and going, anyone in this community could have been the one who was going to kill him because they feel that passionately right. about the Catholic church. But because it's this personal tale... You realise you're thinking about all of the issues that have beset the Catholic Church in mm. the last 30 years. Right. So you get that perfect balance of entertainment and thought provocation. I think a lot of filmmakers want you to
1: think once you leave. There you go. What do you guys think as far I as mean, influence? St- st- is there a point of influence or world?
3: Well, storytelling is about engagement. It's if someone wants to tell a story, they want you to engage with the the meaning and the ethics and morals within the story. So if you have a different viewpoint, that's the beginning of a conversation. So. You can be in conflict with those ideas, ethics and morals, or you can totally agree with them. But I think when, it, when, a, when a film polarises people, that's when you've got kind of that great confluence where people start talking about a film mm. because of that mm. and becoming part of the conversation. I think, yeah, like any, any kind of media and culture, it, it requires engagement from right. the viewer And if it comes into conflict with your worldview, that's a good thing because you can actually articulate that and, yeah. I am a proponent of engagement. And know, I think so it, it's,
2: it's probably the discussion that comes from films that is more life-changing or more lasting than necessarily the message the film gives itself. Like, I fo- like, Because obviously some movies, and maybe the better movies in some respect, cause you to think about stuff, cause you to engage with their storyline. Like even a simple movie that, I, like years ago, well, a couple of years ago, that movie About Time with Rachel mm. McAdams, and, and that was a, I don't want to spoil the ending, but a beautiful story with a really pertinent everyday apply your life kind of message, and you did walk out of the cinema with something you could actually take home and start doing differently, right. but unless you then sort of talk about that or ask someone their thoughts or start to have a bit of back and forth about it, it's not actually going to really change your daily life. It's like anything else, unless you start to live out the habit, what's it going to do for you? So much like Noah or any other sort of film that's got a message to talk about, it's only going to really happen and only really spark, I think, a cultural shift if people do engage with the subject matter, talk about it ask the big questions right. and that's when it has the possibility to do that otherwise it is just entertainment and well, on the
0: other so proof on the other side entertainment's the best way of secretly changing someone's opinion mm. because yeah. if you introduce a character that is in a group that you don't like or you've never understood but suddenly you like the character then your opinion is subtly changed i mean mm. propaganda films have existed for you know nearly a century for this right. very reason it's a really secret way of changing opinion
1: right yeah well that's actually one of the questions that actually came from the audience he said kind of looking at the whole idea of the storytelling and also the effective screenwriting, or maybe it's even quality of film, is that if a film, like, if if it gets to be too preachy, I switch off. So mm. why do you agree with that? I mean, what what is it? Why is that?
2: It's probably partly an Australian culture thing, to, to be maybe a little bit general, but no one, like, I think... You can kind of have a little bit of a negative response when someone's like, this is how it is. I'm telling you what to do. And they just go straight down that line. Like everything within me at least wants to kind of push back on that a little bit. Not because I necessarily disagree with what they're saying, but because I want to have the ability to sort of freely express my thoughts on it and have that, not have the dictatorship sort of a thing, at least just that freedom to shift a little Mm bit. Um, So I I think, yeah, I think people probably do have a pushback when it's a bit preachy and especially because... Unfortunately, some of the more preachy movies that you can watch tend to be not quite as well made or a little bit less than excellent in their presentation. So it kind of they get grouped together, you know. Like you think if this is preachy, it's not actually going to be a very good movie. Whereas if it's a little bit less, they kind of blend better, I think.
3: And I think that's why a really good film can covertly influence you, right? Mm -hmm. Because that the the information in that story. Without even realizing it, you're actually taking on board some of
0: those Mm. issues. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's good storytelling. Too preachy, too formulaic, too empty. Any of those are just a complaint about bad storytelling. Right. Yeah, so it really
1: comes down to the storytelling. And that's, well, because that was one of the questions we had yesterday that came from the audience was, now, if the Bible, I mean, this is completely putting in kind of a strange uh, situation, but if the Bible was written (coughs) today, do you think that it would be probably in a video form opposed to being necessarily in the written form? storytelling?
2: I think part of its strength comes from the fact that it's a written text. I think essentially something would be lost if it was purely Mm. visual.
0: I'd even go as far as to say before that it was an oral storytelling tradition, so mm. I think that's really part of it as well. It was an oral storytelling that has been, as every form of storytelling has come, it's been one of the first stories that Mm. has been retold in that new format.
2: And I think because you have to slow down, whether it is in that oral Mm. format or, or reading it, you have to slow down to a pace where you can engage and, and go back and go, What did that say? And you like you have to reread and, and think about it. And I think when you process words versus film, you think differently and you engage differently and I yeah, I think I think there's something inherent in Reading it, that there's a particular kind of engagement that would be lost if it was just made into a movie. But that's not to say there's not value in it being made into a movie, because obviously yeah. you're opening the door for a lot of people that wouldn't originally engage with it in in that written mm-hmm. format. But uh, my my preference is that it keeps that that um, that written kind of aspect. Sure. But if I you mean, want,
3: sorry, sorry, maybe having them work together, like we were talking about yesterday, you know, you can see the mini the Bible miniseries. And he might not agree with some of it, so you go back to the text. Mm. So they kind of work. The ninja angels weren't actually the ninja angels
0: <laughs> with the broadswords. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, wow. okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But to yeah. answer your question, if you're starting to you know, starting afresh, a whole new one, I think you'd start with a meme nowadays.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then hopefully a you know, work it go on on Facebook. So, and yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, right. That's right. Well. Um, Probably one of the last, because we're actually coming down to the end of our time, but why do you think that there is such kind of, it's an interesting thing with the story of of the Bible, but also with Hollywood being reliant on good story, hopefully. But why is there such a love-hate relationship, it seems, between, I don't know, the Bible and Hollywood?
3: Because they can't crack it. They have to take, Ten years ago, they had the great, they had the passion of the Christ. Right. And then ever since, they've been trying to replicate the success of that, and... With varying degrees of success they've been able to do it, and um, I think it works better as we've discussed if it's actually kind of in a story in a totally different context of a story as a message mm. rather than
0: also I think there's a there's a group who are aggressively protective, and that the reason that ten years ago the passion worked was one of the things we know about Mel Gibson as he speaks his mind, usually not to great effect. <laughs> um, but he was incredibly sincere with that film. No right. one questioned he believed that film. So it was accepted in that community. It was Mel Gibson at that time, so it was accepted in the broader community, the broader film community. And it was beautifully marketed. And that sounds incredibly mercenary, but it was mercenary. It was they did this beautiful seeding campaign through the churches in America. They also gave it a proper mainstream release. It was accepted by everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this resistance to what I'll call the, the, the absolute, you know, the doctrine films, those who are literally trying to recreate the stories as they are in the Bible. There's resistance to non, to anyone who just feels like they're doing it from mainstream Hollywood right. because there's, well, you're not one of us. And, and, the, and that is, it's really hard. I think there's been this strange... Sense from an audience that I'm not allowed in. Marvel films, weirdly. 20 years ago, there was a thought that you couldn't make a Marvel film because if you didn't read the comic books, you'd feel completely isolated from them. Mm. They've achieved that sense that anyone feels part of that universe. I can watch the ninth X-Men film without having had to read 3,000 things. But, <laughs> but you're
2: um, missing so much Wolverine. Of course you, you are. are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah.
0: But on the flip Absolutely. side, it almost feels like Son of God, you're not meant to watch it unless you're part of us already. Oh, and, there's a, and that's a sort of isolationist policy, mm. which is really hard to understand. Yeah, there you go. All
1: right. Well, actually, we have to, We kind of come to the last question because we kind of come to the end of our, our panel. So looking at it, kind of where we started and kind of where we kind of the book end of it was, can film or Hollywood and the Bible really coexist or should they even? Adrian?
3: I think so because there's so many stories to tell, even if they're covert in a mainstream film. Um, it's rich and ripe with Thematic elements, you know, you know, design of mankind, as we've also already discussed. Um, theme, themes, ethics, morals, um, which are kind of shot through most films. But um, I, I think when they try to go down the route of the exclusively biblical epic, it it does divide people, mm. um, because I don't think they're ever going to get it right. Um, but I think trying is a good start, trying to get the message out. I think they've had a love-hate love, relationship with, and Hollywood's had a love-hate relationship with the Bible because, yeah, money-making and the Bible don't quite kind of converge. But anyway. mm.
0: <laughs> There's think? some history that would argue against that as well. <laughs> 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 what do you think, Laura?
2: Um, as I just like, break my microphone, um, I think... I think yes, they definitely should continue to, to work together. I think there's great possibility in that. I think that um, some of the I, th- I think some of the tension is that because the Bible does look at sort of every question mankind could ask: origin stories, our future, how are we meant to live on Earth, what is you know sort of what is the rules for this way of life, and what are the rules for that, and all the different questions are there. There's also some answers presented as well, so it's always going to provide subject matter for people to think on, and and I think it's going to provide continuous opportunity for discussion and movies to be made from that. And there was actually, it was a quote that I was reading recently um, that kind of ties into that idea of whether movies are entertainment or not, that people are viewing films as formative liturgies that are actually designed to shape us and make us into a particular kind of person. So mm-hmm. if you think that films carry that amount of power, I think definitely there should continue to be some tie-in between the Bible and movies because I think there is value. Even if you don't believe the entire story of, of a, sort of the faith message of the Bible, there is at least a moral element and, and a lifestyle code that I think is quite valuable to society. And I think if they completely divorced, you know, each other, I think it would be really unfortunate and a real loss. There you go.
1: Great. John, um, so you want to give the last word? I guess. Of course. <laughs> um, we do also, only have five minutes. There's there's <laughs> men- you,
0: you mentioned origins, and, and, and I think there's an interesting perspective to put as well, which is that a lot of people, I think if you've you found a lot of people would not recognize that taking the first half of the Bible, you are not just speaking to Christianity. Mm. Like, it's weird that there is still a lot of people out there who wouldn't understand that the Old Testament also applies to two of the other mainstream religions in the world. Religions they, that some of these people consider enemies. So there's a beautiful unification that can be found by just telling some of these shared tales. But also, those tales, we talk about origins, and there's that understanding of the origins of humanity, but there's also origins of society. Every, everyone who's got the Westminster legal system comes from an ecclesiastical law background. And it is, so, it is weirder and weirder that as we get further and further from having religious education in schools, and that's a totally different discussion, that it is really useful for people to have... An understanding of the Bible, even if they don't believe a single word in it, mm. because of how important and vital that document has been in the history of our society. Right? You know, your law, your morals, your ethics in every industry has huge aspects that have come out of these tales from how people have related to them, how they've dealt with them, how they've interpreted them over centuries. So, of course, we should be trying to tell these stories, even if it's just to go, wow, Weren't we mad back
1: then? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Great. Well, I think it's a great way to finish it, especially um, for the forum and really looking at what, considering the intersection between the Bible and Hollywood. And so thank you so much. If you can just uh, say thank you to our panelists for being here today and being a part of this. If any of your questions didn't get answered, please come on up, and uh, I'm sure the panelists would be willing to kind of um, interact with you in regards to that. Just before you leave, though, if you could do me me a favor and pull out from inside of your outline. There's a feedback form um, for today. Just uh, if you'd be willing to take some time just to give us some feedback, what you thought of today. Um, And also just kind of uh, considering if you haven't ever received any information from City Bible Forum, put down your details and we'll make sure of any future events that we could uh, be able to get you the details for. One of the future events that is coming up is uh, similar to the Son of God event. It's kind of going to a completely different extreme. ...would be we're going to be going to see The Dawn of the Planet of the Apes... ...and having a panel discussion on some of the key points of that film. We had the opportunity of getting to see it last night... ...and uh, I think there's some really great themes to be able to kind of discuss... ...in regards to forgiveness, family, um, and also just uh, loyalty. And so there's a lot of opportunities and discussion points. And our panelists will be Mark Hadley, Adrian Drayton, and Ben McKechn will be on that panel for that evening. It's only $10 um, for the evening. So uh, it's only $10 and you get a popcorn, a drink, and, a, and the panel. So it's a phenomenal value and worthwhile coming along. And if you are interested, we do have a drawing um, today. We're going to have a couple, pa- a couple sets of tickets to, um, to go to the film. If you're interested, fill out your details and then we just tick the box at the bottom in regards to that. So those are uh, some of the things that are coming up. And then next week, um, we're going to be going on to our series, actually our talk series, that we normally do here at the Forum, if you haven't been along regularly. We would have a, someone come up and give a talk for about 20 minutes or so, and then people are allowed to then ask questions from the floor ...of the person who's giving the talk. We have four different speakers this month... ...kind of going and looking at some different topics... ...and this one next week will be with Al Stewart... ...one of our regular speakers here at City Bible Forum... ...and he'll be looking at the whole idea of real revenge. And so looking at real revenge... ...that we see so many times as one of the vehicles in film... ...but yet what does the Bible really have to say... ...about that whole notion and idea of revenge... ...and also forgiveness. So... Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for you all coming along. And uh, again, we hope to see you all next week.
0: The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.